Now, uh, we are going to pray for the, pray the children out, so can all the children please come forward? please bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear God, I thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for allowing all of us to be able to wake up this morning. I thank you, Lord, for allowing us all to be here today and worshiping you. I ask you, Lord, to please be with the people that were devastated in Oklahoma. I know that they're going through a lot of hard times right now, and I ask you, Lord, just to please be that solid foundation, their, their refuge, and somebody that they can go to. I ask you, Lord, just to please just help everyone that's um, going to work tomorrow and going to school. Um, I ask you, Lord, just to just help us to continue fighting on and just to stay strong and know that we can turn to you. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing week that um, we had last week. And if it wasn't so good, Lord, I just ask you, Lord, just to help us reflect on anything that you want us to do. I ask you, Lord, just to please help the graduates um, of 2013, Lord. I know we're finishing, and it's amazing. And I ask you, Lord, just to please be with us and just to continue to be that solid foundation for us, Lord. I thank you, God, for just all the lessons that we were able to learn. I ask you, Lord, just to please be with those who are um, who are unemployed, just to give them just hope and just to help them realize that you have a plan for them, Lord. And it may not come tomorrow. It may not come next week. It may not come in a month. But that you are always Lord and that we can always turn to you, Lord. I ask you, Lord, just to please be with the children and just to help them to realize that you are Lord and that when they're going through hard times that they can turn to you and that you are that solid foundation. I ask you, Lord, just to be with everyone in this room and just to help us to love you and honor you and just to continue to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, um, please turn to Psalms 16, 8 through 11. I will be reading that after I get my paper. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be broken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, therefore, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Thank you. Good morning, family. How are we doing today? Can we uh, please give another hand to all the youth that are really leading us in worship? Pastor Matthew and True Praise came down from Oakland to bless us yet again another year. And our own youth putting on that drama. Uh, they've been working really hard. All the youth here have been working really hard to uh, bless us today. And uh, I want to thank also um, the pastors here, uh, Pastor Murphy and Pastor Tammy, that uh, work tirelessly to help make sure we have an environment that nurtures spiritual growth and a glorifying to God. I want to thank G, who uh, basically is... The youth ministry, he has his hands in so many things in this church. So I want to thank you, G, wherever you're at. You're doing a wonderful job. So, 
My name is Lita, and I'm the youth and young adult pastor here. And I want to um, just tell you guys about a little bit about uh, uh, my swimming experience. Um, I didn't always know how to swim. I was a uh, I was uh, loving water, but I just didn't know how to swim. So I would cling onto the pool, and that's kind of how I would swim. I cling onto the side, and I just kind of move myself slowly and enjoy the water while everybody else was doing their thing, like little dolphins and. And uh, one day, um, um, my grandpa visited from Taiwan, and, and he was with my mom. And I saw them in the distance, and uh, I wanted to impress them. So, so I, I saw them in the distance, and as they, as they were coming closer, uh, I, I yelled, Hey, Ma, look at me! And, you know, everyone knew I didn't know how to swim, but I was like, Hey, look! And I said, No hands! And I, and I put my hands up, and uh, I immediately proceeded to drown. And, uh, I mean, what else do you expect? I don't know how to swim, and I wanted to impress them. So I immediately proceeded to drown. And I was there kicking and flailing in the water, and I saw a net come with a big pole, and it pulled me out. And there's my mom and uh, my grandpa and just looking um, at me pitifully and, uh, you know, me, me uh, just gasping for air and coughing water out of my lungs. Uh, my desire to impress my family overrode my ability to discern. Okay, I'm going to say that again. My desire to impress my family overrode my ability to discern. And a lot of the times, sin is like that. It's a desire of our heart that oftentimes overrides our ability to discern. Now, I sin because I have a desire to fulfill what I want. Why do you lose your temper? there's something you believe you gain from expressing your anger. There's a desire you have. Now, why do you gossip about your husband behind his back? It's because you believe you gain something from, the, from saying all those wonderful things about him when he's not around. It's okay. You can laugh if you want. <clears throat> so how do we combat this sin? Well, first, we don't fight it by gritting our teeth, digging in our heels, and trying harder. That's not how you fight sin. As we saw in the skit, our wonderful skit, he was wrapped in chains. And the harder he fought, the more the demons had him oppressed. There's nothing really he could do against sin on his own. But we have to approach it with understanding our desire. We must understand that lust, jealousy, insecurity, pride, Loving anything more than God comes from a place of fulfilling a desire. And only when that desire is fulfilled by God can that sin be overcome. So we're going to read Psalm 16, 8 to 11. I'm going to unpack this. It's a a beautiful, I had a beautiful time prepping this sermon. It's it's been really uh, revealing to me in my life and a blessing for me. So I really pray that it's revealing for us as a family. So let me just pray for us. Father God, we just give you the space. If you aren't here then everything we do is meaningless. So we give you space in our hearts now. As we open the words of this Bible, we pray that you would open the pages of our hearts so that we would be open to you, to what you want to do in our lives and the work that you're continuing to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 16, 8-11. It says, I have set the Lord always before me, as Amica wonderfully read, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. 
My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now you might be thinking right now, what on earth does this have to do with sin? The truth is that we will continue to drink the wine of Satan if we believe that's what gives us the highest buzz. The key to breaking the power to sin is not just by fighting it, but as we saw in the skit, to find Jesus, or what I like to say, find a higher high. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. There must be an intentional, thought-out decision-making to constantly be in God's presence. I have set is not by accident. It's on purpose, and it goes beyond showing up on a building on Sunday morning. It's every day, everywhere, all the time. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And then verse 9 continues, therefore, that's a causal adverb that shows consequence. Setting the Lord always before me has a consequence. Therefore, I have gladness in my heart. Therefore, there is rejoicing in my being. Therefore, you can think the flip side. If I do not have the Lord in front of me, Therefore, I will not have gladness in my heart. Therefore, my being will not be rejoicing. There is a cause, there's a consequence to setting God in front of us. Some of us wonder why we're constantly fighting to be happy or constantly fighting sin while we've always set the TV in front of us or our problems in front of us. Verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. The word joy in the original language is simcha, joy of the heart, inward, authentic abundant joy. We saw this in, uh, this week in a YouTube video of a woman that basically survived the tornado in Oklahoma. I was born there. Uh, survived a, a, a tornado. And she was looking, she said in the interview that she lost her dog. And some of you might have seen this, but during the interview, she actually finds her dog. She, the, the camera zooms in, and there's her dog, and there's all this rubble covering it. And she just, oh, no, and she like reaches towards it, and they help her get the dog out of the rubble. And as she is reunited with her furry little friend, you can see she's overcome with joy. She just makes these exclamations and says these things. You can tell her whole being is just filled with authentic joy. It's that kind of authentic joy you cannot imitate when you put the Lord in front of you. You know, it's, it's when David killed Goliath and the people of Israel saw that they have overcome their enemies, the woman came out and it says they sang songs of joy. Which is why I'm so appreciative of Matthew and True Praise. They came here and they gave us a taste of that joy when we are putting God in front of us. We're filled with this joy. Which makes me wonder, why does it seem like a football game has more Holy Ghost in the church sometimes? Why are we so filled with joy when that pigskin is crossing that grassy field and so filled with ADHD when we're in the Father's house? Verse 11b, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's not only unmatched, unparalleled joy, it is for eternity. It is infinite, abundantly infinite. So, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, 
What does this have to do with sin? We saw in the drama, the kid was wrapped up in all kinds of sin. And we saw that he was chained down. And we just read this passage about joy. Sin cannot be conquered by gritting your teeth, digging in your heels, and making yourself do the right thing. It is conquered by setting the Lord in front of you and being filled with his abundant joy and presence and love. And the sin leaves. That's how sin is conquered. The most powerful and painful acts of radical obedience must be awakened. Must be awakened by a motivated sense for pleasure in God. Pleasure in God. The problem is we found pleasure in the world and have forgotten pleasures in God. You know, we're filled with ADHD here because we come to the banqueting table full. We've gotten ourselves full with Snickers bar on the way to the Alexander Steakhouse. There's a person that exemplifies this for us. His name is Moses. And Moses is an interesting character because he was a Hebrew. And at that time, they wanted to kill all Hebrew boys. So his parents wanted to save him through in the Nile River so they would save his life. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter who raised him as her own. And when he, in a crime of passion, left Egypt, he was deemed as a traitor of the state. You know, what's interesting about Moses is that he could have lived a good life. Servants, five-star dining, fresh whips, nice crib. But instead, he broke the law in a crime of passion, and he abandoned all that. But why did he choose to give up everything? Let's look at Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 24, it says, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By the way, sin is always fleeting. Pleasures are always fleeting. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. There is a jaw-dropping compensation package for those who seek Christ. To fight sin, this must be our number one incentive. Moses turned down the treasures of Egypt for the reward in Christ. And in the same way, we have to realize that our fleeting pleasures of sin pale in comparison to the joy we get in God. Pornography is not done away with because we choose to stop clicking. It's done away with because we're ravished by God's love, soaking in His Word, driven by His Spirit in in community, in, in, in fellowship with brothers and sisters. It's done away with because delighting in an intimate relationship with God is more precious than turning my laptop into a $1,000 hustler magazine. Unhealthy anger is not done away with because we tell ourselves to calm down. Oosah. That works. It's cool. But it's done away with because that hurt inside from where the anger comes from is addressed by God's precious love. You know, I was an angry kid. Oh my goodness, I feel bad for my parents. I was an angry kid. Got in fights a lot, got in trouble all the time. One day, uh, I picked the wrong guy to to front. (laughs) Brought his crew. 
messed me up real good. <clears throat> and I went. I was going to. I was going to a church, and at that time, um, a guest speaker came in. He. He 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 prayed his he, he prayed for me, put his hand on my shoulder, he prayed for me. And and I was still this angry little kid and you know, getting in trouble all the time. And and I can't really explain it very well, but what had happened was God had met me at that moment. He filled me with his spirit. And I I just felt this this love and this peace I've never known before. And and it it was it was so much pressure actually that I actually fell over and on that ground I just wept and I wept and I wept because God was telling me I love you you don't have to fight for yourself I'll fight for you you're my child you're not a child of this world you're a child of mine I'm your father you have nothing to fear and I just I was just in, in, immersed and marinating in his love on that ground. It's hard to explain. It's a very surreal, supernatural, spiritual experience. But it was real. I got up and literally a different person. People around me like, like, what happened to you? I don't know. I was with my friend that day and I wanted to recreate the same thing that happened to me because it was so crazy. It was so wonderful. I, said, I was like, here, uh, stand there. We're in his backyard. Stand there. Put my hand on your shoulder. Just stand there. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I was like, just. He's like, uh, Lita, what are you doing? I was like, just. he literally said, "What are you doing?" I was like, I don't. I don't know. Just, just wait. <laughs> like, I really wanted. That's how. That's how. That strong. That love was. It was contagious. I wanted everyone around me to experience that joy I had, that love I had, and that anger and that hurt left me. It left me as a result of me encountering God's authentic love. We can't only focus on sin to destroy that sin in our lives. We must focus on the reward and joy in Christ. And as a result of that, the sin falls away. Delight yourself in the Lord, as it says Psalm 37. Find that hidden treasure in the field, as it says in Matthew 13. Let your joy become full, as it says in John 15. Or follow Jesus' example as he went to the cross It says in Hebrews 4, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Not the duty set before him, not the obligation set before him, not the gritting my teeth, buckling myself in, I'm going to do the right thing, darn it, right uh, kind of thing. It's for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This way, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. When we try to combat sin... Without God, it becomes moralism and legalism. When we try to be a good person for the sake of goodness, it's nothing more than goodness, which is the practice of doing good, moralism. But God doesn't command that. He says, seek God, not just goodness. But then there's also legalism. If you were to leave sin by following rules, then pride enters the picture. Pride is what drove the Pharisees to fabricate hundreds of unnecessary laws and turn into vain and heartless robots. But when we combat sin that centers around God, He gets the credit. We glorify anything that satisfies us. I'm going to explain this. When we're happy after watching a great movie, what do you do after you watch a great movie? You tell your friend, call him up, man, that was a sick movie. Iron Man 3, it's crazy. I didn't see it, but I'm sure it was good. (laughs) According to Rotten Tomatoes. 
But that thing could be deceiving sometimes, so don't always put your full hope in that. Anyways. We like to tell people when we are excited about what satisfies us, what gets us happy. When you eat at a nice restaurant, what do you do after you eat at the nice restaurant? You tell your friends, you call people up, man, you got to check this out. This place is really good. They got, they got some good food over here. And the restaurant gets hyped up because of that. When you watch a good movie, you call your friends, tell them how good the movie was. The movie gets hyped up. We hype up the things we're satisfied in. And when we're satisfied in God, you know where I'm going with this. We inevitably let the people around us know. And God gets hyped up. You can tell what truly brings someone joy by the content of their conversation. When we overcome sin by treasuring the infinite worth of Christ, Christ gets the credit, not our strength, not our morality. John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We have to, we have to take this approach of life, not just by following rules. This Christian thing is about you know, going to church on Sundays, making sure I do the right things. It has to be complemented with a love relationship with God that compels us to do what God wants us to do. I asked uh, for some illustrations. So I got permission from my wife for an illustration for this and how this is real in her life because I want to try to bring this down to earth as much as I can. When my wife Jess deals with insecurities, instead of finding escape in TV, or harboring unaddressed emotions, she fights to go to God in prayer and worship. A toaster is made of toast, and we were made to worship. She said, if I'm made to worship, then he's the only true satisfaction in my life. The satisfaction in God overcomes her satisfaction from the approval of others. For me, there was a bunch of magazines that approached uh, uh, on the uh, doorstep and, you know, home goods, cooking, clothes, all the drill. And then I was looking through it, throwing some away, putting some away. And then Victoria's Secret. I need to get some water for this one. I could dig my heels in. No. I was taught this was wrong ever since I was young. This is bad. But in my mind, what came across this week was thinking of the time I was going to pray next. Waking up in that morning and coming to God and reading and soaking in his word and being filled with joy in the presence of God by setting him before me. And that all entered my mind. And I was like, I, I'd rather have this than this. I'd rather have this joy than this fleeting, quick, temporary thing. And I put that away, and I was like, God, thank you. Thank you for your love that's always here, that's always filling me, that's always beckoning me. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I can so easily drown myself in email, so easily drown myself in errands and assignments and projects. Ironically, it's easy to do the work of the Savior without having any relationship with Him. But what draws me into His presence is when I settle my heart and open that Bible, when I read the words on those pages, and I fall in love 
with God every time. It just fills me with this sense of peace and joy that cannot be matched in the things this world offers. And I want to apply this to youth because it's Youth Sunday. I want to speak a little bit to the youth that we um, that's in our world. Josh McDowell says this: Our children today face unprecedented pressure. Pressure. They are exposed to sexual exploitation, school violence, alcohol, illegal drugs, and a variety of influences that threaten to undo all that we teach them. And while we need to fear what our kids are tempted to do, we need to be more concerned with what they believe. I believe that. I believe that belief is what drives your actions. And we must help them understand that God's love trumps sin. And this is how I'm going to apply this in four different ways in their lives. Technology, sports, education, and sex. Notice I lump technology with sex. Technology. They are constantly plugged in. I know it's ironic I'm preaching from an iPad right now. I'm preaching about technology, but (laughs) bear with me. Wrestle them away from their phones, please. I haven't, I haven't met, had a time where I'm sitting down with a youth, I take them out to Jamba Juice, or they're at my house, or we're hanging out, and there's a phone in their face. And I tell them, you know what, with me, you're not going to have that phone. With me, we're going to talk face to face. That's how we do things around here. Wrestle them away from their phones and enforce some no-tech times and allow them to read an actual physical Bible. Push them in that direction. I do that with one of my youth. We actually meet every week now on Wednesday nights. We have a remix midweek where basically we come together as youth and we talk about God, relationships, school, faith, life, and we encourage one another and we have a community around that. And he comes and I've pushed him to, to bring a physical Bible. So he brings one. Maurice, and he opens it, and he, you can see little highlighted areas where he's engaged in the Word, where he's thought about what he's reading, instead of just scrolling and flipping and going to the next thing that everything offers us usually. And we get to dialogue and discuss the things he's questioning and reading. You know, teach them to avoid, teach them to avoid putting joy in how many likes they have on Instagram. Or, or, or finding uh, uh, more followers on Twitter. That there's unparalleled joy and satisfaction in God. Sports. Following Jesus. Okay, please hear me. Please hear me on this one. This one's big. Following Jesus does not mean coming to church. Okay? Following Jesus does not equate to coming to church. It means partnering in a kingdom that transforms all aspects of life. It means partnering community and service and accountability. The list goes on. But this can't be accomplished when they're always at some sports game and kingdom life gets their leftovers. Why is it that their school and extracurricular activities piles up while church and mission trips and evangelistic opportunities and meetings and gatherings and praise nights and service projects all Get the leftovers. They can't taste and savor the joy the Father has for them when they aren't even in the Father's house. Third, education. Do not allow them 
to define who they are through their performance at school. Youth, you are not your grades. You are not your education. You are not the school you go to. But why is it then that we give $10 for an A in biology but have never brought them to a Sunday school class? We have made an idol out of education while God has said, do not put any idols in front of me. Teach them while education is good, it's not God. It's a vehicle and a means to grow, educate, create opportunities, level the the playing field, whatever you want to call it. However, it does not define who they are. And who they ultimately are can only be worked out in relationship to Jesus. Because school and education leaves us. But Jesus is eternal and his joy is infinite. I'm speaking from my heart right now because I'm trying to do this thing called youth ministry at South Bay. You guys have blessed me with this incredible responsibility to lead our young people into a new place with God where they experience new life in Him. But I can't combat, I can't do my thing, I can't, we can't as a staff do what we want to accomplish by bringing them into a new place of maturity and growth and spiritual understanding if they're never here. But they're always at some football game or basketball game. We have to understand. We have to put God a priority. I'm not being legalistic here. I'm just saying, put them in a position so they can receive from God. And they're not going to be receiving from God if you put priority on grades and extracurricular activities. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Because I love our kids. I love our kids. I love, I love you too, Tika. I love Sipo and I love James. I love Manny and Mariah and Armani and Nigel and Maurice and all, even all of our Matthew Trues band. I love you guys. And it's just painful when, I'm, when, when the, the youth leadership is setting up an event program where we're excited. We're like, this is going to be so impactful for the youth on their growth with God, helping them understand their identity. Right When the whole world is telling them their identity is put in what they can accomplish, we're trying to tell them your identity is your relationship with Christ and nothing can take that away. But they're not even there to hear it. So please, hear my voice. Anyone that's hearing my voice, please help put a priority in the spiritual growth of our kids and, and partner with what God is doing in this church. If you don't have kids or your kids are grown, this is still applicable because it's applicable to anybody, not just youth. It just so happens that our youth here, alongside with many other youth across the nation, are, are wrapped up in a lot of things. The final thing is sex. There is severe and real pain in this. We are losing the war on purity. Every corner I turn, there is a new heartbreaking story of somebody encountering sex, pornography, and a struggling sexual identity. How do we apply this idea of God's joy and reward in that? Well, first, what I'm about to say only scratches the issue. It scratches the surface. But at least it starts the dialogue. My question to us as a family 
And this applies to me. Are we fearfully locking them up with our rules only? Or are we also painting a picture of God that satisfies their every need? And we'll say that again. Are we only fearfully locking them up with our rules? Or are we also painting a picture of an all-satisfying God? There's two ways to keep a horse near. When I said that illustration in, my, in one of our youth churches, one of my youth said, you calling me a horse? That's what she said. Uh, no, it's not. It's just an illustration. Get over it. You can build a fence if you want a horse to stay near. Then it won't leave your presence because there's a fence. It physically can't. Or you can build a well. And the well draws that horse near because there's water. And it feeds that horse. And it satisfies that horse's needs. Sometimes we can be so focused on setting boundaries that we forget God's love draws even a 15-year-old in heat near to him. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We must heavily teach alongside our disciplinary approaches that sexual purity allows us to connect with God in astonishing ways, giving feelings and emotions that are more rewarding and joyful than a short-lived sexual encounter. We must teach and encourage them to experience that these fleeting pleasures of sin pale in comparison to the vibrant, authentic love that God offers. All of these things relate to savoring the joy of God. We can't keep telling the youth only what to do, Because that leads to behavior modification. And once they're out of the nest, they'll go crazy. We look at the statistics, what? 80 to 90% of youth don't come back to church once they have the free will not to come to church because they're in college and they're doing their own thing. But if we teach, instruct, lead them how to enjoy and savor God's presence and love and joy, it follows them everywhere they go for the rest of their lives because it's abundant and infinite. Remember, we all seek pleasure. Whether it be in school or sports as a youth or in money and material goods as an adult, but it's about seeking the right pleasure. I'm not saying seeking pleasure is wrong. What I'm trying to tell tell you this morning is that we have to seek the right pleasure. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God provides the right pleasure. Look at Moses. He left the the fleeting pleasures of sin because he was looking forward to the reward in Christ. It wasn't digging your heels and saying no all kinds of rules and laws and things. It was, I'm drawn to this God. I am drawn. There's an appeal that overrides just the stuff that the world has to offer. For many of us, sin has so much power in our lives because our standards for joy are just so freaking low. Am I allowed to say that, Pastor Brian? (laughs) Okay, okay. 
Okay. Still, still have a job? Okay. <laughs> Too late, he says. Some of us think, the only way I'm going to be happy is if I stay with this man. Or the only way I'm going to be happy is if I'm making paper or popping bottles. C.S. Lewis says this, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud plies at the slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. There is a higher pleasure. There is a fullness of joy. There is an abundance streaming from setting the Lord in front of you through his word, through community, through worship. The list goes on. We just have to do it. Put him in front of us and allow that joy to speak and heal and bring us to a place where he wants us to be. And he gets the glory. And he gets the glory, not us. Not our legalism, not our moralism, not because we tried harder, not because we did the right thing, but because he led us to a new place. And when he led us to that new place, he gets all the credits, not us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, this is such an impossible message. It's impossible because if you don't provide that life-changing experience and joy for us, then I'm just batting my lips. We cannot continue to grit our teeth and sink in our heels and fight this world. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're losing. But God, it's because you offer abundant and infinite, authentic, life-transforming joy that we are changed into the image of your Son. And unless you do that, we're helpless against sin. There's people in this room right now that heard this message and they're thinking, you know, I have this particular sin in my life and I'm not quite sure what to do with it. keeps coming back. Every time I think it's gone, it's like a weed. It just grows right on back. And there's people in this room that need They need God to do something miraculous in their life. And it may not come right now. And it may not come tomorrow. But setting the Lord always in front of you, I'll tell you what, it's going to come. And it will be there. So Father, we just ask right now, if that is you, go ahead and lift your hands where you are. Keep your eyes closed in prayer and in worship. But if that's you, just raise your hands to God like a child needs his father and say, God, we need you. God, we need you. You see the people raising their hands in this room right now. You see every single thing we fight. But we're tired and we're exhausted. We need you. We need your joy. We need to We need to know that we're loved by you. We need to know that we're your children. 
that you care about us. So God, you see every single raised hand in this room. You see every single heart. You see every heart in here. Would you just meet us right now? Just meet us with your love. Go ahead in your own space, in your own way. Speak to God and give him what's on your heart right now. Father, we thank you that your joy exceeds that joy of the world. We thank you that you've brought us into a relationship and not just a religion. We don't want to live our lives that way. Just by following rules and laws and boundaries and meeting expectations. But God, we thank you that we can be ravished in your love. We pray that as this song and this worship praise dance is done, that you would fill us with that joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.